All right, you lazy bums. Break's over. Get back to work. Oh, come on. Ah, oh, crap. Here comes episode 10. <sighs> what labor. <laughs> At the work. <laughs> We initiate the new year with LocoCast episode 10. Crap, Woo-hoo. we didn't manage to get 10 of them in last year. <laughs> we suck. Yeah, I know. What the heck happened? We must have gotten busy or something. Life. But, so this is our first post-holiday, post-New Year, welcome to 2011 show. You survived the holidays, I take it? Uh, barely. <laughs> How about yourself? Again, barely. I required several trips to the uh, medical facilities in order to get through them, but I have made it out to the other side. What type of medical facilities, or is that just TMI? Uh, well, <laughs> the one thing you don't want after Thanksgiving is food poisoning, and I got that. Ooh, and yay. <laughs> the one thing you don't want after Christmas and on the same day as your son's first birthday party is double, I don't know, I had... Uh, Strep throat and something else that went along with it as a nice double whammy. So, Ooh. yeah, I had to go into the go in and see a doc a couple times over the holidays. So that was just lovely. I can imagine. But it is 2011, and I have not yet been sick this year. So, woo! <laughs> we're only we're only seven days in though, so you got time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got lots of time. I got a whole year left here. So. Yeah, well, I started a new job, so... Congrats, very much, congrats. Have you, uh, have you uh, established your, your skill set there? Uh, well, I'm, I've actually done something that I didn't think I'd ever do ever again, and that's load net beans on a machine, uh, so I could do some poking around in Java. Oh. Uh, it gets to our, one of my book picks later on. But uh, yeah, yeah, dealing with all the wonderful fun of Java, and I gotta say this this language is like designed <laughs> designed by lawyers. It must be. It just oh, I thought Ada was bad, but every time I get the bug to like you know play with Android development, I remember I remind myself, Rick, it's Java, and the you know the SDK requires you to install Eclipse. Do you really want to work on that application <laughs> for the phone? And I go. Eh-eh. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Android's got uh, Pi Game available for it, which I'm definitely going to try and check out. Interesting. Yeah. And I also hear that uh, Santa brought you a little Windows laptop with this new job. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Corporate Windows, my favorite. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how's that? How's that compared to your life of Ubuntu? You having fun with that? Uh. We don't talk about the Windows machine. It's kind of like Fight Club. <laughs> oh, no. First rule of Windows machine, don't talk about Windows machine. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, I congrats on the new job and my sincerest apologies for the Windows Java machine combination. Oh, no worries. No <laughs> worries. We take our loans where we can. Uh, well, let's see. 
I got anything else on there. I just took a lot of time off, didn't write a lot of code over the break, spent a lot of time with the boy, had him out of daycare for the break, and spent entirely, entirely too much time, I don't know what, just going crazy. But since we're back in the swing of things, why don't we head over and talk about some upcoming events? Let's do. Starting off with Code Mash, which you're going to be attending. And yeah, I'm actually getting excited about this one. Um, I'm I'm giving a talk. Okay, so Code Mash. First of all, disclaimer: it's a very non-open sourcey kind of conference. It's a uh, big major sponsor is Microsoft. They're actually streaming some special Microsoft event from the conference this year. So people are very very excited about this. There's a lot of Java folks, you know. Hey, you should uh, you should check it out. And uh, there's a lot of Ruby folks, which is kind of interesting. I'm not sure how they all arrived, um, but they call it a they call it a polylot um, conference. You know, lots of different languages to to go and choose from. Unfortunately, Python's pretty underrepresented uh, represented usually. So I submitted a talk this year and it got accepted. It's because they want more Python folks. So I uh, just got through practicing that with the coworkers at work the other day and. Got a few good suggestions, so I'll be t- tightening up my uh, little presentation. But yeah, that's next. That's next week. Next, uh, I leave. I leave Tuesday, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Awesomeness. Awesome. So that also brings up the next conference that I didn't get my talk accepted to, and that was PyCon. I submitted one there, and that's coming up in March. And uh, so the talks are up and on the site now, so go check it out if you're interested in going. Um, I will definitely be there as my first PyCon. Ooh. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know what my schedule is going to be, so I don't think I'm going to yeah. be able to make it. Well, that's down in Atlanta, and um, the week of the 11th through the, I mean, it's basically it's a whole week and a half by the time you add in the tutorial days and the conference days, and they've got four sprint days afterwards, which I am, that's actually the big part I'm looking forward to is the sprint days. Um, try to hang out with some other hackers down there and, and work on some projects, work on some of my Python web framework stuff and that. And then oh. coming up in April 29th to the May 1st, AngloCon. I'll leave that one to you. Oh, come on. I'm not going to come. No, I, you know, I went the one year, I skipped, then I went again the year after that at your guys' dragging, and I've decided PenguinCon and I do not relate. You don't stay late enough. You have to stay past 8. That's when all the fun of PenguinCon happens. That's when you start finding out that you're, you know, talking with a stormtrooper in an elevator about life, the universe, and everything. Yeah, I, I think I'll just get the report secondhand and read a few blog posts. <laughs> you're lost, man. You're lost. <laughs> so what's the magical thing about PenguinCon that everyone should know about? And then, then is registration open now? When should they be Registration is open now. Uh, Pre-registration is closed, uh, but they do have these slightly discounted, uh, so you procrastinated, but this is not the total procrastination uh, fees, uh, which are up. It's over at penguicon.org. That's where all the details are. And by the way, if you want to go, definitely get a hotel room. Those fill up quickly. Last year, it filled up really quickly, and they had to do some oddball shuttle service and that between other hotels in the area so if you're thinking about going definitely get there get in get registered sooner than later well that's exciting and it's um always a time i will say that so definitely definitely is a time if you're into that you make sure you go register and get in there early and you got pi ohio here in the list so that's got to be far enough out we just had that didn't we 
we just had that. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like 2010 just didn't really happen. <laughs> I think only but, half of it did. Yeah, only half of it. But it's uh, it's coming up. I don't have any information on when the next Pi Ohio is. I just threw it on there to get it uh, on everyone's okay. radar. Yeah, no, definitely a good time, and it's a definitely growing conference, uh, and oh, it's yeah. free, so that's always good. Of, of these conferences, that is the one free one to go to. So, And it's because we got so much Python-heavy stuff in here, just um, hopefully we're going to have some interesting Python content coming up. I won't say too much, but uh, I've got a lead on some Ubuntu Python awesomeness that we will try to get on the show here in the coming weeks. Would that be a teaser? I believe it would. <laughs> tease, tease. <laughs> and that's all I got for events. If you guys have anything, send it in to feedback at lococast.net. And let us know what it is, when it is, and why we should care. And how much it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go talk about some Ubuntu-ness. So, Jono posted uh, about community time, making making the Ubuntu a little more personal. Yeah, this is kind of cool. So, Jono has a couple of posts that are interesting. Um, one was, uh, was his basically his personal goals for Ubuntu in 2011. So, some of it's just, you know, I want to be a good manager, you know, so that people like George don't hate me. And, you know, oh, that's good. Um, but one of them was improving the personal Ubuntu experience. And why I love this is that there's this quote that's going around, and I can't remember where it actually originated from. Um, but the quote goes, people come because of the software, but they stay because of the community. And I've heard also other variations of this, of people come for the free, but they stay for the quality of the software. I mean, there's a few variations of this. But I think this really epitomizes Ubuntu in a lot of ways. People become because of the software, but they stay because of the community. And I know every time I go to think about changing off of Ubuntu to some other distro, the Ubuntu community sucks me back in. Yeah, that's that's really... I mean, I, I found my Ubuntu experience uh, got me to do things like Mug and other assorted community events and that. So it's, I, I would definitely concur that the whole reason that Ubuntu has really taken off is because of the community and uh, taking taking away from that community experience, uh, I don't think Ubuntu would be nearly as successful as it has been. No, so his 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 post is definitely lengthy, but you should definitely check it out. It's um, it goes through a few bullet points of you know the things we need to work on as far as educating new members of of not just you know um you know what's available to to do to help and be a part of the community, but to also help them with the detailed knowledge and information they need to do those tasks and to help in those ways. And one that really hits home for me um, that I've always kind of wished and 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 should have. Uh, should push more forward the idea of mentoring. You know, a lot of us have been in the community, been around, we, we know a lot of stuff, and, you know, these new guys come along and we kind of, eh, okay, yeah, welcome to IRC, yeah, howdy, howdy doody. Um, 
But, I mean, mentoring is a really powerful force as far as getting somebody over the initial hurdles, making them feel useful, appreciated, and everything. And so I kind of wanted to bring that up just because um, I I think more of us should definitely look at taking a mentoring role. Maybe we don't do as much as we used to, but, you know, if you can mentor a a couple of people – um, that you know, you can actually probably get more done workload-wise and and help in more ways than than doing you know whatever yourself. Um, so that's something to be something to think about, keeping the back of your mind. But uh, yeah, very cool post from Jono. I kind of uh, I liked his thought process there. Yeah, especially with the with the mentoring stuff too. Uh, there's a lot of things that people don't realize go into making a distribution and getting it so that folks are are have that comfortable feeling and are not, you know, freaking out that, you know, oh my gosh, I have all this stuff to learn. I mean, I know myself, I'm, I've not really done a whole lot on the development side of, of Ubuntu and that. So it's mm-hmm. sometimes it, it, sometimes I feel like I'd like to get into that. Sometimes I feel it's, you know, a calling or uh, obligation, yeah. if you will, <laughs> to do something like it's that. Move up the food chain a bit. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, having someone, you know, be able to tell me, okay, this is what you need to do. This is, you know, that would help me get over some of that fear and maybe I can take a look around and say, hey, you know, this is something I can do. I think something every managing and everyone that does any kind of management knows is that it is oftentimes and I mean a lot of times much, much more productive to be like, here is a task. Go about it. than find something for yourself to do, you know. Yes. And I think that's a big thing where mentoring can come in, where it's like, you know, all right, I want to come into this part of the community and I want to, you know, help with translations or I want to help with this or that, you know. And, you know, we we work on things like, you know, having like the bite-sized bugs for people to kind of work on or or things like uh, the paper cuts project and such. But, you know, sometimes if you can if you can kind of get a mentor mentorship relationship going and just be like, you know what, why don't you go do this, this one thing and, and, and work through the trials and tribulations to accomplish that and learn the tools and the things you need to know to, to get that done, you know, that, I you know, you might actually get, move forward more than being like, well, you know, welcome to the translations team. You know, what is it? You know, go find something to do. That's great. We appreciate any help you can offer, you know, so. Uh, we'll see We're how that showing goes. Showing up at, at at all of the uh, the release parties with a whole stack of CDRs. I mean, they're not to, not to knock the people who make the CDRs and that, but it seems like everyone shows up with CDRs, and you know, it's like, okay, we'll see you in six months. Well, let's be honest. I mean, nothing beats the easy jobs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've, I've shown up with my USB keys and my CDRs as well. <laughs> Mm. But yeah, so I'm interested to see where this kind of goes, since this is a 2011 goal, and and it's got some good bits in it. Well, and speaking of the the bite-sized bugs, George posted uh, the big list of bite-sized bugs. Uh, a lot of them seem to be related to to Unity. Oh no, this is this is yeah, this was a Unity bug report. So okay. um, well, that would explain it now, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> Which I, I got to be honest, I'm over the holiday break. You know, I mean, I keep up on my RSS feeds and everything, but I got to say, Natty has been a real quiet release cycle. I haven't heard a whole lot since the Unity hubbub before the uh, holiday break here. Well, and I think part of it, too, is that there hasn't really been any news since Alpha 1. I, I'm really looking forward to Alpha 2 because Alpha 1, I had problems getting it loaded up and ready to go. And I know that things have progressed since then. It's just I'm I'm waiting for the ISO to, to dig back in. Do you have the schedule in front of you at all? Do you know when the Alpha 2s do? Uh, no, I don't, unfortunately. They're, they're usually pretty scheduled about that. I'm curious. Um 
but yeah, so uh, George has got a great uh, post that we'll link to, which talks you know about some of the uh, the bugs in Unity, the things they're working on. Obviously, the Unity thing is still has a little bit of you know tension and such with it, but it's it's was one of the few things that I had I saw that was like a good status report of how things are progressing with Natty, uh, Unity being rather central to it. Some of the bugs that are fixed, some of the things that they're heading towards. Uh, he also had another post later on where he was showing off some of the how when you full screen something, it goes and kind of acts like a you know when you maximize it, it kind of goes full screen and and can, you know was somewhat interesting, especially when now that they have. Uh, or they're getting the auto hiding working with the Unity. Uh, I don't know what the little launcher menu. You're trying to be nice, actually, because I didn't really get the point of it. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, is that <laughs> Unity's getting some things tweaked and changed, and it's making progress. And I want to let everyone know about that, so that you guys should check it out. Um, well, the next I- alpha is showing up in uh, February 3rd, 2011. Oh wow! So there's a big gap between Alpha One and Two, then, huh? Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I will admit I, I installed Unity for the first time. I, I work for Christmas. They're about a year behind the times, but they give everybody a netbook, a free netbook for a Christmas present. So um, unfortunately, it's a rather underpowered netbook, and so I, I ended up putting it on my uh, my little rack and turn it into a little backup PC machine, hook a USB hard drive up to it, and just let it run as a low-powered backup server. Um but I went ahead and I wanted to play with it, so I put you, you know, I put Unity on it to kind of get it, you know, play with the UI and tried to use it for a weekend. Uh, but this is on Maverick, which had a couple of well-known, you know, issues such as being horribly, horribly slow, um, which didn't Not help. Terribly well baked. <laughs> well, especially on a you know underpowered you know netbook with a, with just a gig of RAM or whatever in it. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where that kind of progresses. Obviously. I'm not exactly planning on using it because I still love my awesome tiling window manager. Take that, George. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, so Natty's moving forward quietly under the radar, and Unity is moving with it. So check out George's post for some good info on what they're fixing and uh, how things are progressing. And now a message from the cloud. The cloud! What You know, our podcast would not be complete without some just blatant dropping of some buzzwords as a matter of fact go check out today's dilbert cartoon for what is today friday january 7th i think was was it today's yes it was, it was the blah blah cloud yes it was the, the cloud consultant was brought in it was most excellent um but no on a more serious note i don't know if you guys noticed um I, it was went across but a new person has joined the uh community outreach team there run by jono with uh some of our buddies george and such as a member um to work on cloud using ubuntu as a cloud tool this is really hard to like how do you put this into proper words i guess he's probably has a business card that says it better um but basically as a community manager for ubuntu in the cloud how about that that works and so part of his work, obviously, the community manager is to get the word out. And he's been uh, working on, like, some screencasts, uh, giving demonstrations on, like, launching a you know server to run WordPress on. And 60 Seconds is the latest one that he had come out around today. Uh, but a little bit of uh, a few weeks ago or before the break, he submitted a request for people to, uh, you know, help with the community and to jump in and record some of your own screencasts, maybe write some informative blog posts on how, you know, you're using Ubuntu in the cloud. I know I'm just got through doing this because I'm trying to get services off of my colo server because it has a bad hard drive and it's due overdue for an upgrade. So I, uh, I've set up a Ubuntu server on an Amazon EC2 instance and moved over 
a web forum and some other stuff over to it so that I can take my colo server down and spend some time getting it all tweaked back up to normal. Yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff on this blog, like the, the advanced CloudNet custom handlers. Yeah, I know. Look at that real quick, and that's yep. that's kind of kind of handy. Yeah, they've uh, you know the the team working on that stuff has got a few nice tweaks beyond just your base Amazon EC2 stuff um, that are very handy for for getting you know servers up and running and and getting them running uh, in a hurry. So, it's so check out the guys uh, his his um. Blog is foss-boss.blogspot.com. We'll have a link in the uh, show notes. But, you know, if you're into using, you know, uh, EC2, uh, Eucalyptus, uh, or even new OpenStack stuff, and you're using Ubuntu with any of those, um, you know, look at getting involved, uh, showing a little information out there and helping new people, you know, catch up. And with that, did you do any reading over the break there, Craig? Uh, actually, I've been doing a little bit of reading. Um, first book that I was reading, I got this one for Christmas, actually, from my parents, which shocked the hell out of me. Uh, they <laughs> usually don't get me any kind of computer books in that. They figure that's, you know, off territory. Uh, hold on. Did they get it on a wish list or non-wish list? They got it on a wish list. All right. Then. It was, it was funny, though. My mom was saying... Uh, yeah, I looked at the preview of this book, and I didn't understand a damn thing on it, so I figured it was good for you. Pretty normal. <laughs> so, Mom and Dad, thank you so much for picking up HTML5 up and running, uh, Mark Pilgrim's book. It is, I have to say, excellent. Um, Mark definitely has a, a very good way of explaining things in a very non-threatening way. So he, he does away with a lot of the BS and a lot of the, the nonsense and that, that a lot of authors have in their books and just lays it out on the line. Uh, first chapter is essentially, how did we get to HTML5? What were the problems with the old HTML uh, stuff out there? And he really puts, he, he did a lot of little research uh, to figure out a lot of the stuff. Uh, he has some information on how to detect whether the browser that you're dealing with is HTML5 ready or not. Uh, just a lot of really good, no nonsense stuff. It's a really, it's a short book. Um, looking at about 201 pages on it, so definitely check it out. All right, ready? HTML5 checklist. Does it cover the new HTML5 elements? Does it cover the new HTML5 elements? Well, of course it does. All right. Does it cover the new JavaScript APIs, including geolocation and local storage? Uh, somewhat. Ah. And finally, third well, on our actually, checklist. No, it does. It does. It, well, it has a little section on it. I don't a know how, how much yeah. cover you want. All right. Well, okay. And then what about the new CSS3, including animations and transitions? Uh a smattering. I mean, this is this is not going to be anything that's going to be in depth. I know you're looking for the, the Rosetta Stone of HTML5. I, I want I want my I a, want my one yeah. book reference book, buddy. I keep looking and okay. It's well, not but, a rocks book where they're going to pad it out. Oh no, good grief. We don't we don't need that. 
Uh, well, that's good. So you're uh, you're going to be working on some new fancy HTML5 uh, web apps coming up then, it sounds like? Uh, no, that's just for my own personal stuff. Oh. Uh, for work stuff, I've been reading through Java Web Services up and running. Hey, it's another O'Reilly book. <laughs> Go <Ouch>. figure. <laughs> but this one is uh, by Martin Kalen. Uh, what's nice about this book, I'm, I'm not using it so much for the Java piece as just for getting a handle on SOAP. Because I've oh. pretty much come to the realization that for my current job, I'm going to have to understand SOAP and WSD yeah. and all that wonderful, wonderful goodness that I've been avoiding with REST. Oh, my pity levels for you just went up and I didn't think they could. <laughs> well, I think there's a reason that, uh, that SMS text messages cost so much because <laughs> they're all in XML. Um, anyways, so yes, this is a very, very cool... Uh, introduction to this stuff. I've not gotten too terribly far into the book, but yeah. I can already see that this is going to really help me out with what I'm looking for. So, again, the name of the book, yeah. Java Web Services Up and Running by Martin Kalin and O'Reilly Books. Wow. Soap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to run away whenever I see that. I, oh, well, if, yeah. If, there was ever an example like for classes whenever they're talking about let's discuss over engineering um i would pull soap up as my number one primary example well the thing is we were using stuff like json before in my previous job yeah rest rest and json yeah. it's like you know for for just sending a simple packet across the wire what more do you need it's java we have i know, I know it's java. uh yeah no that's that's uh all right, I'll, uh, I'll I'll send the beer the beer certificates your way. You're gonna need a few. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I got a lot of reading done over the break. Um, I've been on a reading kick. I think I've actually decided I need to stop reading and do more. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, I, it's sad. I know. Um, so let's I was just gonna crank through because it's a bunch of stuff, but it's good stuff. I, I've been on a little bit of a designer kick. I've got an itch to um to do better about design usability. Um. You know, to think about those things more. So the first thing that got me going was a non-designer's design book, which is in its third edition. It's not web-related. It's actually the book goes through things like business cards and flyers, and um, you know, writing articles and things like uh, you know, talking about discussing alignment and font choices and uh, uh, you know, using contrast and colors and things. And it was really, really good. Um, kind of you know, blew through it. Um, one of those you have to get in paper form. Don't get it in uh, Kindle form because it, when it goes through topography and stuff with the different fonts, it, you know, it won't make sense if you're only reading it in one font on a Kindle. Um, for fun, I grabbed the book. In the beginning was a command line. Uh, it's an interesting book where a guy goes through discussing how... Um, it's Neil Stevenson, isn't it? I, You know, I don't know. I didn't recognize the name, um, but I'm not always up on my, my, uh, my original techie lore as I should be. Um, but it was, it was kind of cool cause he, he goes, you know, kind of like the, discusses the time frame during the evolution of systems coming from, you know, Unix and DOS and all that command line interface, uh, as a transition to a GUI and kind of like what causes, what caused that and what it means. And I really love the way he describes a few bits, um, where he discusses, you know, the command line is kind of like learning a language. You have to actually know things. It's a uh, more educated kind of system, um, whereas a GUI is more pictorial, more, you know, Egyptian hieroglyph on a wall kind of thing, caveman drawing pictures, 
where you, you just kind of you get enough visual representation to be able to move through things without really understanding what's going on and what it's doing under the hood, which makes complete sense to me, right? I mean, as, as you know, computers proliferated out into the masses, people didn't want to learn or you know, don't have the desire or interest or need to learn about what was really going on, and so you try to you know, wrap this you know, visual representation on top of things as, as much as possible. So, but it's, Does it get into cultural familiarity? That you have to have for a GUI, or does he skip over that? Um, I think he talks a little bit about that, about what makes okay. you know, good GUIs versus non-good GUI, you know, kind of stuff. Um, why some of them are still so horrid, but you know. Um, but what, what's interesting is that the book's written at a time before the what I would call like the more recent rising of the Apple, and so it's kind of funny because he makes references to kind of Apple on its you know last you know breaths before it dies off. And, you know, well, I think we all remember that. The System 7 era? <laughs> well, you know, back at the beginning of OS X, you know, back before it was, uh, before you know, pre-iPod. Right. And so it's kind of interesting to, to kind of see that, you know, uh, how that discussion has changed over, you know, post-iPod. Um, and, and how, you know, they've actually become uh, a more of a haven for, you know, designer interested and, and uh, you know, more techies actually, you know. That would normally would be command line junkies and stuff. So, but it was still an interesting read. Another quick read. There's some stuff that's just he can go on ranting and, and get kind of condescending and you know. And I'm like, I, I didn't fit all of it, but there were some good bits in there. Cool. Um, next one, web web anatomy interaction design frameworks that work. Um, this was kind of interesting. The idea is that they, they discuss how web pages have certain anatomical bits, right? So. Just like, you know, a body has an arm and a leg or whatnot, you have certain reusable patterns in web design like the About Us page and navigation and contact and search and how, you know, in order to do good search, you need the following, you know, UI elements, functionality elements. You need to provide certain things for the users and there's different ways to use search and all that. Uh, again, interesting, but it wasn't as wasn't as good as I thought. I was hoping for more... It was very More like a Rosetta Stone of where things should be. Or? Uh, it was just I mean, kind of. Well, it kind of like takes a, takes a takes a part and then discusses, you know, what makes like the search was a good one and that it discusses, you know, what makes search good. Why do users use search? What do they expect when they get there? Um, how do they use search? You know, discusses how most people. What's kind of funny is that you know, oftentimes we make it very easy to like recommend, you know, oh, you search for this. Did you mean that or this or this? Or you might want to also look at these other things. But what was interesting is he talks about studies where people do an initial search for an initial keyword and we put all this work into helping them find additional keywords. Yet every study that uh, that he brings up, the odds of finding what they were looking for goes down the more times they searched. So <laughs> all this all this effort you're putting into helping them refine their search to make it better is actually um, – you know, it's you shoot yourself in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like you know, that's not something that you you know you, you you know as a developer you may look at that and go, aha, I have made the light the you know life easier for people. They will they will find search more useful. Um, but studies actually show that was the opposite. <laughs> God, I have found just about any search that isn't Google, uh, like in corporate and IT sites and yeah. other sort of things. It's like, oh my God, could you make this any more painful? Yeah, well, search is hard, and uh, you know it is. It it's, is very hard. 
but yeah, so they break up like components to websites and things a little bit like that. And and but unfortunately, a lot of it's very vague. A lot of it's very you know not very detailed. You know, about us should have these bits, but not these. You know, make sure you you know provide good contact information. Studies show yada yada yada. Customer satisfaction goes up when you have your phone number on the page. You know, well yeah, duh. But <laughs> um, so I don't know. Sometimes you have to have it in writing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up was simple and usable web, mobile, and interaction design. This one I got with the idea of trying to look at simplifying things. You know, that's a big move these days. It's one of the things Apple gets credit for, you know, having one button versus 50. Um, but what was interesting was that um, after you get past the first part, which is a little dry and like, okay, let's get to a point. Um, he breaks down like the five, you know, ways you can simplify things. And it's like you can remove things. You can hide things. You can shift the burden. You know, so for instance, you can um, – in order for me to make something easier for the user, like, say, searching for something complicated, I, as a developer, can take on that burden by trying to, you know, do back-end things that make the search better, running more services, doing better indexes, whatever. Or I can push it onto the user to make it, you know, move the work there that, you know, they have to provide better keywords or to fill out more boxes of filtering options and such. You know, so, uh, you know, kind of cool to think about it, that, there is a certain amount of work that needs to be done to perform an operation that when you simplify it, you're really only simplifying it for one end of the spectrum, but it, the work gets shifted around. Um, so that was kind of good just to kind of like put down in concrete here, like the five things you can do to make something simple and, you know, think about it in the terms of your application or tool or whatever. Cool. And then I have a couple that I started reading that kind of weren't really what, I don't know, they didn't draw my in. So I, I've got them sitting here, but I haven't, read through a whole lot of them. The first was Evolution of Useful Things, where they talk about normal everyday items and how they came to be. And I, I read through the first little bit. One of them was like the paperclip on how like the, the design of the paperclip over time. Um, lots of pictures of different patented versions of the paperclip before it was what it is today. Um, kind of interesting, but also really like, alright. I was expecting something much more designy, like, you know, notice how, you know, these trends with these things or whatnot. So I don't know. Um, you weren't expecting a history lesson. Well, I was expecting some of a history lesson, right? I mean, part of it was, that, you know, it's the evolution of useful things, right? So I was thinking that it would be like, you know, designy in the sense of see how the design of something you know, molded, you know, started out rough and, 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 you know, through these awesome ideas or things that you should be thinking about move forward. This was much more like flat out history, like, you know, and then we came to, you know, machinery and machinery could now do wire bending. And, you know, they had a wire, this guy invented a wire bending machine in this year with this patent with whatever. And, and how does uh, this help me design a web page? Oh, that's that's the thing, right? It's like it, it doesn't <laughs> it didn't I'm not getting the any kind of like real design lesson out of it other than like the history of the paperclip. So um it was You just need to design a better wire bending machine. Then you can design better web pages. Yeah. I don't know. I mean I, I should go back and revisit it. There might be, you know, better bits to it, but the first it took me a while to get through the first section, couple sec chapters of it, so and then the universal principles of design, revised and updated. Uh this this is again Good book on design. Um, the layout, I'm not. A, it just there are literally 100 principles, and they put one page per principle, uh, you know, and they basically have you know a page per principle. It, it, the, does, the book doesn't flow at all because it's just like a hundred separate principles, and they're trying to fit things on a page usually, and so a lot of the things kind of either read without a lot of info or they read you know 
they try to squeeze too much into a page or they're trying to drag something really simple out to a full page. Um, so it's not that it's useless. It's just that it's difficult to read. It's poorly designed. <laughs> poorly, poorly designed for reading consumption. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, I guess it could be a good reference book and, and I'll poke at it some more and, and, you know, try to get to see there's gotta be some good points and stuff in there. Uh, so I've been reading a lot. I've actually got two other books that are on this list because I just started them in the recent history and I didn't want to bring up partial red stuff yet. I'll save those for next time. (laughs) And with that, the show notes list is complete. Anything else you have for the lovely listeners out there? Uh, I can't think of much of anything off the top of my head. Just a reminder that if you have anything you'd like us to talk about or or anything like that, send us a note over at feedback at localcast.net. All right. Well, with that, I bring you a toast. Hope your 2010 wasn't as horrible as it could have been, and hope your 2011 goes better. Let's get this party going. Amen. Amen.